The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Amen. Let's just pray for the time of the word now. I do not have notes for you on purpose. Let's ask God to move in power. Father, we are mindful that without your anointing, without your presence, that we all sense even now, that nothing of eternal consequence will take place. Let your power come. Release faith and encouragement tonight and the preaching of your holy word. Everything else will pass away, but not your word, Lord. Your word will remain. And as we meditate on it, even, even during the day and night, God, we will prosper in everything that we do. So come and release living understanding and truth tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I am, uh, I am stuck on a revelation. I believe it's a revelation. It's David's revelation. I shared with uh, my mentoring, a mentoring group that I have uh, over this past uh, week and shared just a touch on Sunday. I want to look uh, at the life of David and is the only one really in scripture that said had a man a man after God's own heart. Well, you know, what does that mean? And then you see in Jeremiah, God said, I will raise up shepherds after my own heart. I believe, I believe this. I believe that God is raising up people like unto David in this last, in these last days, in these this final generation that of the, what I believe is the Lord's return. I think He's doing something in our lives that's beyond our understanding. And I want to look at the area of tremendous struggle and trial, the area of Ziklag that David encountered at about uh, 20, she was 17 plus 5, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And then uh, seven or eight years running pillar to post, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. He's about 29 years old, maybe 30, 31. It's hard to say exactly how old he was when he went and uh, happened to go to Ziklag and have that great tragedy there. We'll talk about that. But I want to look at the life of David. And our key text in the end will be Psalm 18. But let me, let me say that there's a difference between stumbling in your faith and full-on fail, failing or falling and turning your back. It's a big difference. Jesus told Peter, and if you want to look at a piece of Scripture, go ahead and turn to Luke. And uh, I kind of sound echoey to me. So if you could help me out with that. Thank you for the fine job you do back there, my dear brother. We are taking applications for sound ministry. Best be full of the Holy Ghost, so it's a challenging job. Luke 22, verse 31 to 34. 
Jesus says, all of you will stumble because of me this night. And he's talking to his disciples. That's a, that, that exact quote there is... Uh, we hear Matthew, that's Matthew 26, 31. Luke 22, 31. Let's read it. 22, 31 and 34. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Now, I've preached on this passage that your faith would not fail. It's a big difference between having your faith fail and stumbling and messing up. I, does anybody here know about people whose faith failed? In other words, they're on fire. Their hair is on fire. They're winning everything to Jesus. I mean, you know, everything they touch gets healed and constantly reading the word, quoting scripture, on fire. And then a set of circumstances happens where either they get offended at somebody or they, they get offended at God and they end up turning their back. I remember when I was a young adult, I was in young adult ministry, and, and Pastor Karen, you'll remember this well. There was a man who, uh, I mean, the guy had an ability to communicate. He had charisma. He had anointing. He had favor. He was married. He had kids. He had this great job. He was called into the ministry, and the dude could preach. He could flow. I mean, well, I, I was just like, man, Lord, why can't you hook me up like that? I was going, I was in leadership training. And I just thought, Lord, I, you know, how come he got all the gifts? Anybody ever thought about stuff like that? <laughs> how come he got all the gifts? Lord, I just got ripped off. And, you know, months go by and, you know, he's going to be the next great evangelist in the world in my mind. And all of a sudden something happens and you wouldn't think proportionally what happened would do what it did, but something happened, and he completely flipped and fell. And when I mean fell, he rejected the Lord, rejected the call, rejected all of his friends, which was us, me, and about 20 other guys, my wife. Rejected, rejected everything that was God, stopped going to church, stopped worshiping, stopped praying, got rid of his Bible, and completely quit all things having to do with God, Jesus, all of it, rejected everything and never went again. When that happened, uh, we were leading the young adults at that time. One of the leaders, Pastor Colleen was actually leading it. I got together some rough cats in the Lord and uh, we jumped in a van and we drove out to his house and we stood on his porch and, and prayed. Do you remember that? We prayed and, and, and pleaded with him to, to open the door. He was inside. He wouldn't open the door. We pleaded with him. Other people went at other times, weeping, crying, interceding, praying. And you know what happened? Nothing. He never came back to the Lord that I know of. Now, I do know some, some 15 years later, I saw his wife, 15 years later, back in church. He wasn't back, but she came back. 15 years now, I don't know, maybe he's going to come back to the Lord, but maybe he isn't. There's a big difference between, fall, between failing, like completely rejecting the Lord and stumbling and messing up. And the life of David just does something for me. He, he, he is the premier example of one who trusted God's love in times of failure. Let me say that again. He trusted God's love in times of failure. We are so oriented uh, on, on performance. 
You know that if we hit the home run and we, 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 we get the hole in one or we, we make the play, we score the goal, then we get more love. That's the love of the world. That's not the love of God. And so if we don't do so well, then we're rejected or we're sort of in a back seat with the Lord and he's not going to move us forward as fast or, you know, give us more favor. You can't, you can't earn favor. You can't earn his love. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, the Lord sought for himself a man after God's own heart. If you know that section of scripture, Saul has basically yielded to the fear of man, yielded to uh, his flesh. In the end, he didn't sacrifice on the on cue and the timing when he was supposed to. He's supposed to wait for the prophet. He doesn't. And, and the Lord ends up rejecting him. And the Lord chooses another, and he chooses this guy, David. And David at that time, he's a young man. It says he's young, he's ruddy. He's the youngest, David was the youngest. You say, what does that mean? He was younger than everybody? Yeah, it means that, but it's way more than that. When you talk about a dysfunctional family, when, when, <laughs> when, when Samuel shows up to Bethlehem to find in the house of Jesse, the one who God would anoint. All the elders of Bethlehem say, holy cow, it's Samuel. And they say to him, is it well? Because when this dude prayed, weather patterns changed. When this, when this guy showed up, you know you, you, you know, you better hope it's okay. Is it good? Is everything good? Because he could smoke your town. You know what I mean? There's a major prophet that shows up. And uh, Samuel says, it's well, I've come to sacrifice. And so everybody sort of comes and gets together. And he goes to the house of Jesse. And Jesse says, you know, he says, get all your sons. And so he brings seven. Everybody say seven. He brings seven of his sons out. And seven's a number of completion, a number of perfection. He said, bring seven out. And the prophet sees Eliab big strapping specimen of an individual and says surely this must be the Lord's anointed and God says man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart that's not him and so he says to the dysfunctional father Jesse is there anybody else and he says no that's it oh yeah there is uh, the, 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 the youngest. It's like the runt. It's like the, they didn't even consider, I mean, come on. I mean, think of like, think of the major, the major prophet. I mean, this is Samuel. He's at his house. He shows up at the guy's house and he doesn't even ask his son to come in. Nice. David comes in, says, the Lord says, this is him. And he has a horn of oil and he pours it over his head and he anoints him to be king. Then they, you see this battle take place. And the brothers go off to battle and they're fighting none other than the ugly, uncircumcised Philistine. Who taunts Israel, mocks the army of God. And, and everybody's terrified. It would come out and you know, holler and scream and yell for somebody to come out, a champion, but everybody was terrified. So David is sent by his father, Jesse, with some bread and cheeses. 
He's basically delivering pizza, okay? The guy comes delivering pizza to his brothers. So he shows up, pizza delivery boy, the youngest, who can't go to battle because he's too young and he's David and you just stay with your little sheep. David shows up with the, with the pizza and he hears what's happening. And he hears that these great things will be done for the man who takes down the ugly dude, the big ugly guy with the fat head. Whoever takes him down, all of these things will happen. One tax exemption. Everybody say tax exemption. What a deal. Woo, sign me up. Tax exemption, you get the king's daughter. Now, come on, I don't know any 16, 17-year-old who wouldn't be pretty excited about that. I'd be like, where's, where's the spear? Let's do it, come on. He gets all this favor, lots of money. Uh, in fact, his favor for his whole house, him and his, his whole household will be tax exempt. And so he says... You know, he just can't believe it. He asks basically three times, what'll be done? I mean, it's like, is there not cause? Can somebody take this guy out? Where aren't you guys? Come on, God help me, kill the lion and the bear. I mean, come on, somebody take him out, man. He can't believe all this will be done. And his brother Eliab misjudges him. You know, anybody have an older brother? Yeah, so he's like, Oh, David, where are those few little sheep you where's your few little sheep, David? Who'd you leave your few little sheep with? You just came down here to, to look. You just came down here to like watch. You're a watcher. And he's like, whatever, bro, what I do to you? Word he travels to the king that David says he could do it, basically. David tries the, the armor of Saul. Is that Jesus? We'll just let it go to voicemail. All right. What was I saying? <laughs> okay, no, I, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, he tries on the armor of Saul, and he says, "I'm not going to use the armor. I'm not going to use your armor. I've not tested it. I just want my, I just want my, you know, my sling and the stones, and I'm just going to go do it like I killed the lion and the bear. That's what I'm going to do." And he, he runs out there, and he kills Goliath. I love what the, the Goliath says. I'm going to feed your carcasses. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to do all this stuff. He says, man, you come at me with, with your, your, you know, all your weapons. I come to, I come to you in the name of the Lord, our God. You're going down, bro. God guides his stone, sinks it into the head of Goliath. He drops and he cuts off Goliath's head with Goliath's sword. Everybody say Goliath's sword. Okay, and then from that day, he becomes a national hero. I'm talking big league, man. 17 years old, he goes to the highest. I mean, he moves into the White House, okay? okay yeah, it's not that. It's no White House. Gibeah was where the, the center of culture and where Saul was. But he moves in to the palace, and he marries the king's daughter, and he becomes this major dude at 17 years old. We're talking major fame, fortune, tax exemption, big, big deal. All of a sudden, he's, he's zero to hero. One day. And he has such favor on him, and he's in that position for about five years. 
You thought your employer was bad? When he's playing his harp, his employer would try to pin him to a wall with a javelin. David kept his heart, became close friends, covenant friends, actually, with Jonathan. And eventually, after about five years of living in the White House and all the fame and all the fortune and all that, Saul can't take it anymore because he realizes this little dude's going to take my job and he tries to kill him. And he, David then goes on the run for about seven years. He said, he goes on the run. Yeah, we're talking about a guy after God's own heart. And I want you to see the unbelievable compromise in the life of David. You say, why do you want me to see the unbelievable compromise in the life of David? Because some of you think you've been disqualified because you've been stumbling or kind of messing, or messing up. You've got to settle some things tonight. And if you settle those, you won't fall for deception. It'll really help you. It will really help you. And I'm not sure why it's clicked for me over the years. I think maybe because I was such an incredible dirtbag. And then God just set me free and made me experience his love. And I just thought, man, he must love me because I did everything to reject him. I mean, I did everything to get him to hate me. And he still loves me. It's awesome. The first place he, the first place he goes. Does anybody know where he goes? He goes to a place called Nob. The city of Nob. Okay, so he's now running for his life. His father-in-law wants to kill him. The hero David runs to Nob. What's in Nob? Basically all the priests. He runs to Nob. You want a, want a scriptural text? Come on. And, and it, it'll just go chapter after chapter. So you can go check it out. First Samuel 21, 1 through 9. Pull that up if we can. Oh, we can't. The rapture's taking place back there. Okay. Was it an angel or something? There he is. All right. Praise God. Now David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David. And he said to him, why are you alone? There's nobody with you. Go to the next verse and listen. A prince of the kingdom is not traveling alone. Ever. It's dangerous to travel alone. There's no reason David would be traveling alone. He would have... At, at least he'd have an entourage, an army. He, he's, the, he's the national hero. He's, he's politically uh, involved. He uh, has a ruling place in the army. And he shows up to the house of the Lord all by himself. So Ahimelech's like, dude, what's going on? This is weird. Verse 2. David said to Ahimelech, the king has offered me, uh, has ordered me on some business. You lie. You liar. He's lying. He, he's a liar. Everybody say he's a liar. He's a liar. Yeah, he's straight lying. So here's, here's the great guy David shows up and he says, oh yeah, you know, my father-in-law, you know, I'm on some business. It's all good, G. Okay, here we go. And he said to me, don't let anyone know anything about you lying about the business on which I said, you liar. What have I commanded you? And I, have I directed the young man, blah, 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 blah. Go to the next verse. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? <laughs> Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. Go to the next verse. So here's the thing. The priest is blown away. Look, and the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread on hand, but there's holy bread. Go on, go to the next verse. And David answered the priest and said, truly. And he, he goes on to lie and manipulate 
and work the priest over. He gets the bread. Oh, but that's, that's, that's not it. Go to the next verse. Priest gives him the holy bread. Blah, blah, blah. Gives him the show bread. Big deal. Next verse. Here we go. Now, now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. Not quite sure what that means. And his name was Doeg, the Edomite. And the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. Go to the next verse. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or sword? For I brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. You are a lying manipulator with a heart after God. Woo. Oh, the... Oh, listen real good. Wake your neighbor up. Listen real good. Real good. Real good. I, I, I thought about some folks when I prepared this thing. And so, so is there, is there, he, he takes the holy bread. <gasps> he touched the holy. And he, and he asked for the sword. And, and what, go, go to the next verse. And the priest says, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Remember that one? That's the one you chopped off the uncircumcised big fathead guy. Remember him? Five years ago. We have it. It's like a, it's, it's like this, you know, this amazing, it hangs on the wall. This is the only sword we got. But you can have it. David's like, ooh, give it to me. So he takes the sword, rips off the showbread, and, and <laughs> where does he go? What kind of a numbskull? Where does he go? Do you know where he goes? He goes to the old city of Gath. Do you know what Gath is? Gath is the hometown of Goliath. So Goliath is just dead now five years. Home Slice, who killed him, is on the run. I will tell you, fear will cause you to do crazy stuff. And so he's riddled with fear. He's riddled with anxiety. He goes, he lies to the priest. The priest helps him out because of course you're going to help the, you're going to help the prince, right? He runs off with the sword of Goliath and he rips off God's showbread, which is a big deal. Nobody's supposed to eat the showbread. David takes it. And he has the sword of Goliath. He goes to Gath and he sees King Lachash there. And he shows up. I mean, yeah, the guy's got to be like, I, you got to wonder if he didn't hit himself in a rock. Does anybody ever throw a, throw a sling and like it just ricochets back? Maybe that happened to him because he shows up in the hometown of David, uh, of, of, of Goliath with this mega sword. What's up, boys? They're like, oh, hey, where'd you get the sword? Nice. Hey, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, you know. And so, no, that's what happens. I mean, think about it. It's insane. He brings the sword back to the hometown where it was made. And, and they say to the king, oh, this is none other than David. This is David. This is the dude that slayed our champion. And they, and they tell Lachish, and, he, and he's like, it is? Are you David? He's like, eh, well, you know, uh, uh, ah. he freaks out. He becomes insane. No, but it's all an act. Yeah, the man after God's own heart. You got you to gotta like this. This is great. This is awesome. 
We just sing to David. She's like, oh, David, yeah. Yeah, you lying, manipulating, showbread-stealing fool. I like David. Because he just reminds me of me. (laughs) Can I get a witness up in here? Oh. And so he starts... It says he dribbles on his beard, he's drooling on his beard, and he's clawing at the gate. And Lachish, the king of the Philistines, the king of Gath, says, You're insane, dude. You're not even worth killing. You know, just get out of here. And David runs. Now there's, there's like four to six hundred men that are starting to travel with him now, which is, you know, a little unusual, I think. Now, the, in the four to six hundred men come a prophet, and his name is Gad. He's a part of, he's, he's part of their number. <coughs> he goes west to try to escape from King Saul. And you wonder, why, why would he go to the Philistines? Because Saul was a chicken. And the Philistines terrified him before. And I think maybe he'd just run to the old town. He ain't going to go back to Gad. He's not going to go to the Philistines. He'll leave me alone if I'm over here. And Major major compromise in 1 Samuel 22 and verse 5 the prophet Gad you want to bring that up if you can now the prophet Gad said to David so he's just okay so oh sorry excuse me because of his lying and his showbread ripping off taking the sword lying all of those 85 priests get killed because of David Some of you know that. You're like, why didn't you mention that? I'm mentioning it now. I forgot for a second. 85 priests totally murdered. One guy gets away with the linen ephod. His name is, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Himalek or I need to go look. One priest gets away. We hear about him later. Because he lied, there's a national tragedy because Saul says, you high priests, you help David, my enemy. But you know what? They didn't know anything. News hadn't spread to Nob just yet. And because of David's lying, showbread ripping off and stealing the, the sword of Goliath, all those priests get killed. David's fault. His, their blood on his head. He lied. Of course, Saul was insane. The prophet Gad says, now the prophet Gad says to David, this is after the first trip to the Philistines and his insane activity. The prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. He gets the word of the Lord. And he doesn't listen. He doesn't obey. The prophet tells him, and he doesn't obey. And we look at the life of David. It's just compromise over here. Compromise over there. Compromise over here. He, I mean, then, then there's Nabal. We could talk about that and how, you know, he went to kill Nabal. Thank God for Nabal's wife, whose name was Abigail. Tremendous woman of God who made intercession and appeased David and killed Nabal, who, whose name means fool. How'd you, how'd you like to have that name? What's your name? Fool. <laughs> saves his life he goes back to the philistines yet again and it's been a few years now when he returns to lachash he's got these 600 men with him he gets re- reconnected and 
David goes on these raiding parties. And he raids these tribes of the Amalekites. It's not like taking out a whole huge town. He's given, and I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it up a little bit chronologically, he's given a place called Ziklag where it's his, it's his place, it's his town. And he goes back, his, his men are there, his wives are there, everybody's there. And then he goes on these raiding parties and he shows back up at the Philistines. They're like, dude, where you been? He's like, yeah, I'm had it with Judah. I've just been raiding my own people because I'm just sick and tired of them. Yeah, I know, I was anointed king and all that. And yeah, 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 but it's different now. You know, I'm just, he's lying again. Over and over, driven by fear, lying, manipulating. Yeah, I mean, causing murder, national emergency. David, David, the man after God's own heart. Oh, but it's not over yet. I think actually one of the reasons he's called after a man after God's own heart is this whole next section. And I'm not going to preach long to you. I'm almost done. The king says, well, we should, you should come and fight with us. But the rest of the, the king's men say, dude, don't do it. We don't trust this guy. He could turn on us. Let's not do it. Saul's given up on him. He's not chasing him anymore. He's got a promise of being king, and it doesn't ever look like that's going to happen. He's been lying and going all over seven or eight years. That's a long time. Seven or eight years to run around in the desert is quite a while. Seven or eight years of compromise. Seven or eight years of stumbling. Seven or eight years of smoke and dope. Seven or eight years. Seven or eight years of doing stuff that is total compromise. To the, he doesn't even listen to the prophet, man. He's got a prophet that cruises with him and he doesn't listen. He does not listen to the word. He manipulates. He lies over and over and over. This is the man after God's own heart. It's amazing to me. First Samuel chapter 27 verse 1. Now David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday at the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. And again he goes back and he does these raids and stuff. And he lies and now he's kicked out of the Philistines because they feel like he's going to turn on him, as I just said. And as he's going home to Ziklag, he sees smoke on the horizon. He's like, oh, that's, can you imagine with being with David? I mean, there's 600 men. All the wives are back home. I mean, God forbid you ever roll onto your street and see there's a fire. Honey, there's a fire in your neighborhood. Oh my God, I hope everybody's okay. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, let him, oh, God, oh, God. And you get closer and you're closer and you suddenly realize, bam, it's your place. Okay, that's the way this is. Everything he owned is there at Ziklag. And it's all smoked. It's all on fire. Everything's torched. The wives are gone. The kids are gone. Everything is gone. That's what he comes home to. When he comes home, now this, you got to know that this is, I, I think this is like the final blow. And it wasn't like the Amalekites said, oh, let's just whoop up on Ziklag. Then they're like, he's been ripping them off already for quite a while. Granted, the enemy of, of Israel, so on and so forth. But he's been ripping them off and taking their stuff. And now they said, you know what, let's just hit him. And they hit Ziklag, steal everything and burn it with fire. 
He comes back and everybody weeps, it says, until they could not weep any longer. I've been there. I've cried till I can't get up, until I've cried myself dehydrated and can't move. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Kind of intense grieving. That intense. That's what we're talking about. They can't move. They can't. And it's just like in that instance, when you go through stuff like that, sometimes you want to pick up a rock and hit somebody and blame somebody for it. And that's exactly what his men do. Except they have a good reason. You see, it's not like, oh, let's just stone David. They're they're speaking of stoning him. It's not like they just, oh, had this random idea. David has been lying, cheating, manipulating, going from pillar to post. Yeah, he's the anointed next king, but he's been living in total compromise for years. And really now, it's, now they're really getting really what they deserve. Now, they didn't know that their wives were okay and their kids were okay, and they are. It's later down the story. And they're going to stone him. And it says that David strengthened himself in God. What does that mean? David, all of a sudden, began to recall the goodness of the Lord, the promise of the Lord, and began to say, man, this is who I am. That other guy, that's not who I am. I've been in fear. I've been manipulating. I've been ripping off even God. I've been leading these men astray. He comes to his senses. It's like like the, the prodigal son. All of a sudden, he's eating from the pig slop, and he goes... Ah, my fathers have better than this. I'm going home. David wakes up and comes to his senses and says, Oh God, I love you. Lord, I love you. The lion, the bear, the whole thing. God, I love you. Lord, forgive me. He starts strengthening himself in God. If you don't know God like that, you will fall for deception and you won't make it. I'm going to tell you, we all stumble. We all mess up. But understand the character of God. The character of God is he thinks you're the bomb with three Coca-Colas and a bag of chips. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He sings over you. He rejoices over you. This revelation of who you are to God, you are are the object of his love he you are so significant and david begins to strengthen himself in that understanding and that reality he asks for the ephod that comes from the one priest that's left i mean god has just set him up come on david seek me come on david come on david david begins to seek the lord he inquires this is okay god we're good we're good now now lord what do i do not why why god why is my family dead Don't ever ask why. You'll never get the answer. And if you get it, well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, whatever. It's great when you get the answer, but I mean, it's a tormenting question. He says to his men, hey, don't stone me. God's with me. I think think there was something in the countenance of David. When you see somebody who's walking with God, they look like it. Their face looks like it. They have a confidence. I think David got up from his strengthening time with Lord Almighty and just said, Stand with me. It's going to be okay. And I think they were like, what, you insane? Okay, maybe you are with God now. Because, I mean, it's just like, Shut! you know what I'm talking about? I think that's what happened. I think the glory came on him just, just a little bit. I think he had some glory up on him. And his men are looking at him going, holy smokes, he's glowing. Dude's glowing. Hey, he was backslidden now, but I think he's with God. We're in the right place. Praise God. Plus, we got a lot of debts and stuff. We ought to stick with him. Praise God. And David inquires, asks of the Lord, and God says, pursue, overtake, recover everything. He gives him a plan. Turn to Psalm 18. He goes, he runs into the Egyptian. I know I've been paraphrasing scripture all night. Well, go read it. It's one of the most incredible stories 
historical event, I should say. Psalm 18. He runs into an Egyptian on the way. They just head off a direction. Runs into an Egyptian who's been thrown away by the Amalekites. He was sick. They help him. They have mercy on him. And the Egyptian knows where the Amalekites are. Wow, who would have figured that? God, you have mercy on people, love people. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You'd be surprised what happens. Some have entertained angels unaware. They help the Egyptian. They fight all night long. That's not like for a couple hours. They fight all night long. And they win. And there's some guys that can't do the fight. And Psalm 18 Psalm 18. Now let me teach you something about the Psalms and then I'm going to hit the ball. You ready? In your Bible, if you look, the very top part of the Psalm, it's in small print. Not the, usually there's a header that the, that the translators have put there. I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm talking about that underneath that, you'll see some fine print. And listen to the fine print. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and we read this. So let's understand truly the context of Psalm 18 is this. Not only did he get his family back, his house, but he got all his stuff back and overcame all of that. But that is the day that Saul his father-in-law, the psycho who's been trying to kill him for eight years, meets the Lord. He's killed in battle. It's the same day. One day, one day, everything changes. When Ziklag is burned, and if you do a timeline on this, he's three days away from being coronated. Three days away from being the king. You think everything's over. There are, some of you are like Joseph up in the dungeon and you just don't know what you're going to do. But God can set you free. God can break you out. God can change everything tonight. Tonight in the Holy Ghost, He can change it. He can shift it. He can throw the doors open. Everything can change tonight. Everything. 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 What does that mean? That means He can change everything. And David, he's, he's at the lowest of the low. He's compromised. He's, he's responsible for murder. He took, are you listening? He took the showbread. He said horrible things. He lied. He cheated. He acted crazy. He went from pillar to post for eight years. And then, bang, he comes to his senses and he goes, Oh, God, I love you, God. And he strengthens himself in the Lord. He follows through on the word, and it's that day that Saul, his final enemy, is gone. And look at the revelation of David. Verse 19. And the whole psalm is awesome. It ought to inspire you to go read it. Psalm 18, verse 19. He also brought me out into a broad place. Got that right. You went from crispy house and loss of everything to the palace. That's pretty broad. He delivered me because he delighted 
in me. He delighted in him. <laughs> he was responsible for killing 85 priests. What do you mean he delighted in him? I mean, he's lying. He's cheating. He's, God delights in him. Oh, I think it's getting through a little bit, but I, I got to press for a second. When you begin to realize who you are, when you begin to realize that you are the one that he come to, if it was just you, he'd have still come to die. He'd have still come to pay for your sins if it was just you. When you begin to realize that his love for you is not something that you earned, but it's a gift that comes from heaven. It's called the unconditional love of God. And you can manipulate, you can lie, you can steal from God, you cannot tithe, he still loves you. You'd be busted and broken, disgusted, but, but he still loves you. He loves you. He delights in you. He delights in you. And David had this revelation. Now let me say this to you. No matter what you go through in your life, always know that God delights in you. And He's waiting for you to turn to strengthen yourself in Him. Receive His delight. Receive His love. And I will tell you what that will do for you. You'll never want to go rip him off. You'll never want to go do the things that are causes, causing his broken heart. You'll never want to go do that. Look, it's love motivated relationship driven walk with God. I don't obey God because I have to. I obey God because, oh, I'm, what else can I do for him? I mean, I was lost. I was broken. I was dead. I was dying. I was in shame. I was in guilt. I was dying in my own blood. And he came and he rescued me. Why? Not because of my great acts of faith because he delighted in me God delights in you God delights in you he's crazy about you <laughs> come on say it say God delights in Get off the treadmill of religion. Get off the treadmill of trying to earn his love. And just receive it. Because you can't earn it anyway. And you can't do nothing to change it. Why? He delivers us. Because he delights in us. Can somebody say amen? Would you stand up on your feet? Come on, stand up on your feet and just thank him. Come on, thank him right out loud. Very simple message tonight. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Your goodness, Lord, towards us. Forgive us for where we've been in a place of trying to, to earn your love or, or held our head low because we felt your disgust. We didn't feel any disgust from you. That went on, Jesus. That was made up. That was some religious thinking. Lord, all you do is delight in us. Even when we have mud on our face. Even when we've stumbled. He delights in me. I'm his favorite one. 
so are you. I'm his favorite one. He delights in me. I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite one. If it was just me, he'd have come and died on a cross anyway. He'd have stretched out his hands on the cross at Calvary and taken those nails. If it was just me, your love, Lord, is so deep, so wide, so high. He delights in me. I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite one. He delivered me from all of my enemies. He set me free from the fowler's snare. He set my feet on a firm rock. All because he delights in me. My God is for me. Who can be against me? My God is for me. I can run over a troop. I can climb a wall. My God is for me. He strengthens me with might in my inner being. My God is for me. He's not angry with me. He delights in me. message touched you, that you had the Spirit of God is on you, it's a number of you, come to the front right now. He's just going to break your heart into a new place. Just come to the front. The shame will try to tell you to shut up. You, you, you don't have the right to say that. you got every right. Jesus died on a cross. He did it for you. Come on, disconnect yourself from the overvoice of your carnal thoughts. <laughs> disconnect yourself from the constant chatter of your carnal mind. Come on, the Word of God says He delights in you. The Word of God says, Zephaniah 3.17, He rejoices over me with singing. To rejoice is to sing to spin like a top. He's just spinning over us right now. Saying, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my children. Those are my people. Oh, I love you, says the Lord. I love you, says the Lord. Let go of the shame. Sometimes we want some, you know, God to just come and do it for us. Well, he did, but then you've got to stand on it. You've got to speak it. You've got to declare it. He delights in me.
Hey, if you're not right with God, well, do it right now. Repent. Come on, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord right now. Come into agreement. Oh, you died for me, so my sin is far as the east is from the west. I'm coming under your mighty hand right now. I'm getting up under the blood tonight. I'm letting go of my shame. I'm letting go of my guilt. Okay, so you've been smoking crack or doing stuff you shouldn't have done. Okay, so you've been going here and going there. Look, he delights in you. Just just, just receive his love. You'll never find it out underneath, out from the hand of God anyway. You'll never get satisfied apart from him. There is no drug. There is no sex. There is no money. There's no fame. There's no fortune. There's no accolades of man that can satisfy you. Only God, only God, only God can satisfy you. Don't be standing behind somebody. Find another spot. Come on, I'm just going to touch touch and agree. When that happens, God's going to touch you. Don't get in your head. Don't get in your head. Some of you are going to get free from stuff. There's patterns of thinking. There's a number of you that are stuck in a pattern of captivity where over and over you rehearse the same lines. It's being broken. The shame is being broken. You're entering into a new place with God tonight. Tonight's your night for breakthrough. Tonight's your night for healing. Let let your heart be illuminated by the fact that He loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter no matter how you've acted, you can't stop Him. He delights in you. Holy Ghost!
say praise the Lord. There's a new dimension of ministry that's coming to you. Been some frustration at times. I've called you for certain. I've anointed you for sure. The Lord is going to come upon you even in the next 30 days. I'm going to open up some things in the spirit to you. Dreams, visions, they're going to flow like a river. I see like the river of God coming through your house. I see you holding hands with your wife in the times of worship that are going to be absolutely transcendent. You're going to be brought to another place in me, says God. I have a divine appointment set for you. As you put a fence around your prayer time, your quiet time, like unto Moses, don't let anybody crawl over that time that you set. Don't let the busyness of life or even circumstances get in the way. Set aside that time, you and your wife, like a fence around the mountain. He told Moses, if anything crawls over the fence, kill it. Don't let anything get in the way and you will find a new mantle coming upon you. You'll find new zeal. Weariness will fall to the right and to the left and you will see the glory of the Lord and the new new power. Revelation, the Word's just going to blow up to you. You're going to read the Word and see promises that you've never even seen before. You're going to mine tremendous truths out of the Word. I mean, you're going to be so on fire, you're going to be like all caught up in Leviticus and stuff. I mean, like that. <laughs> I call forth destiny and purpose for them, Lord. All we want is your plan. All they want is your plan. All they want is your plan. So, Lord, touch them now. Having an encounter with his love. He 
wants you to encounter his love in a new way. prayer and then maybe you could just spin some sweet CD over there and y'all can just hang out or go, go home if you want to, enjoy his presence go, stay, do whatever the Lord has you, I'd encourage you not to be in a rush you can linger, it's okay to linger we used to have tarrying services we just spend time in his presence more can happen in his presence than, than you might know but I'll just close. If you need to slip out, then would you please do it quietly? I'd love for you to have fellowship, but if you could have it in the lobby, please. Just let God be God and have his way in here. Minister Mike, are you about ready? Put on something real Holy Ghost, dripping with oil. Father, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them, oh God. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.